It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, and you are listening to the sweetest sounds, the sultry tones, the boisterous boys, the Joint Practices Podcast. Get it, fellas. Yo, welcome in to the Joint Practices Podcast, the podcast for fans, by fans, I am your host, Sean Lamont, here on episode 65. It's a very special night indeed. I am, however, only joined by one host tonight, Mr. Super Salad Steve Knox. <laughs> Glad that one's caught on. There it is. Soup in the house tonight. Steven is off tonight because it's his motherfucking birthday. Happy birthday, TV. TB's taking the night off, enjoying some family time. Good for him. Packers had a bye week. Now he's having a bye week. Anyways, this is episode 65 here on the Joint Practices podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Joint Practices. I'm at 11thegoat, and Soup is at the Knox says. Hit us up. Let's get down to the nitty gritty in Music City, which is not in Dallas. Right. Oops. Anyways, let's start this off with the horrific scene we saw on Thursday Night Football last week. I just wanted to get your take on the whole Miles Garrett putting a dent in Mason Rudolph's head. (laughs) That was absolutely nuts. Um, I was actually playing Xbox with with Kyle, and we're both watching the game, and... uh, he had turned it off, I guess, after the Browns' last possession in the fourth quarter. There was like, what, five minutes or something left? Yeah. And uh, so he had turned it off. It was like, oh, well, game's over. And then it just happened out of the corner of my eye. I can see there's a scrum going on. And I turn and look just in time to see him swing the helmet, hit Mason Rudolph in the head. <laughs> but I got to, uh, like, go back and, you know, rewound it a little bit to rewatch it myself and in full full speed you know see exactly what happened and I mean it's just a case of somebody losing their cool and you get playing a game like football it's you know football hockey these contact sports I mean you even see it in the NBA sometimes some you know there's a hard foul and guys just lose their cool pull a run our test and end up punching people in the crowd like you know Crazy things happen, but I mean, this is very bad look for a very talented uh, player. Yeah, someone on this podcast actually selected him to be Defensive Player of the Year in the pregame prediction show. Hmm. Oops, my bad. Thanks well, for well let me down, way, Miles. But... <laughs> He's gonna win something. Free vacation. He might win his uh, his appeal. Because there's currently nothing in the CBA that says you can be uh, suspended indefinitely for your actions on the field, only off the field things. So Ooh. I to don't know on. if it was today or if it's tomorrow, if it was Tuesday or Wednesday that they were scheduled to do the appeal. Um, but my assumption is they'll do the appeal and then the NFL will probably throw like a number... I'm guessing 
eight to ten games. Just the ten kind of makes it uh, on the off chance that Cleveland could make it to the Super Bowl. They'd have to do a lot of winning from here until the end of the season. <laughs> but that and would just no losing. Yeah, that would just keep him off the field for the remainder of the season. Because I can't again. In they have to put season, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So could be a bigger number than that. Who knows? But yeah, it's going to force them to actually, you know, pinpoint a number of games that he's not allowed to come back in. Um, yep. But it sucks for Cleveland because they just continue to uh, find trouble. And they just they just traded Jannard Avery to the Eagles, so yep. their their depth there is a little thin. But I remember I was laying in bed. I was watching this. My wife was laying beside me. She was rolled over basically like on her way to sleep and I just happened to look up and I was like holy crap that guy's kicking him what the f-? and like she sat up and we're watching this and we're like oh my god he's punching and kicking that guy in the ground and then somebody from the like off the screen from the Browns came running in and just laid Rudolph out and I was like what is going on <laughs> and then they showed the replay and he swung his helmet and I was like oh my god Holy crap, hammered is this him real? Right, hammered him right in the coconut, and Mason Rudolph just throws his hands up like, he can't do that. That, I, that meme that was moment, going around about uh, <laughs> Happy Gilmore. I was my own, the only guy to take off my skate try to stab somebody yeah. with a, some hold Miles my, Garrett hold, my hold my beer. beer. <laughs> just in the moment, that whole scene was so surreal. Like, this can't really be happening. I've never seen anything like that. I think the only thing I relate it to was uh, back in the 90s, Kyle Turley ripped some guy's helmet off and just like threw it in the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) He used to be an offensive lineman for the Saints. Jesus. But yeah, that that was absolutely nuts. Um, The helmet swing, (laughs) way uncalled for. Um, Also, I don't understand why... NFL players continue to try to punch guys in the head through their helmet. Helmets, yeah. Jesus, you guys. I mean, I understand your, you know, your blood's boiling and you're looking to do something, but punching somebody in the helmet's not not it. That's not gonna work. Nope. All right. Well, last week on this podcast, we, um, we brought up the fact that Cap, Colin Kaepernick, was getting his uh, workout open tryout, you know, whatever they wanted to call it. Man, I don't know if it was you or Steven, but somebody brought up that this smelled fishy and this was, you know, looking like something sketchy. And then the more the week went on, these details kept coming out about the NFL just being dicks, like making themselves look so guilty of something. <laughs> yep. They're, I mean... I think I was the one who said, you know, them telling them, hey, it has to be this day, it has to be at this location, it has to be at this time, just made it out to be something that, you know, Kaepernick wasn't looking for. Um, and then the morning of the workout, the league notifies them that, hey, you can't have any media personnel here to cover this because, it, you know, it's in an NFL uh, facility, so, you know, you're not a an employee of the NFL, so no uh, no media. So they moved it to a, a high school uh, field from there. So uh, I think it was eight teams wind up showing up to this thing. 
eight confirmed teams. I heard that they were still reaching out from because there was more people there. They just don't know who they were affiliated with. But yep. the Eagles were one of them. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, certainly. Um, Especially when Nick Foles is the best quarterback ever. I don't know why they'd look at Cap. <laughs> Trade four firsts and everybody on the roster for Foles. He'll do it all himself. Yeah, this was just really weird because they, you know, they had that independent film uh, crew that was there, you know, because they wanted to ensure that there was transparency through this whole uh, workout and everything, you know, that the NFL can't be in control of, you know, doctoring tape of the workout or whatever. Um, And so apparently that was that was a big issue for the league, which, again, just looks bad on the league. Um, I feel bad for Kaepernick just because the guy finally is like, all right, it's been, what, three years now. Yes, I want to try and get back in the league. Like, what what do I got to do? And then they go and pull this stuff. And the reactions to it are great. You know, like Kaepernick and his team move it from that facility to a high school field. um, And everybody's reaction is, well, look, you know, this is exactly who we thought he was. You know, you can't, he can't be trusted. You know, he's going to make a scene, all this stuff. Like, come on. The guy just wants to play football. Like, they're the ones that are making it more and more, you know, and increasingly more difficult on this yeah, guy. I mean, they wouldn't even tell him who the receivers. At, yeah. You, they hide so many details. They're just, you know, they're Refuse picking to and tell choosing him everything. Who he's going to be throwing to. That's amazing to me. Yeah. I just. So he brought his own receivers. Yeah, why not? Just the whole, like, every detail that came out when you, you know, you thought, you know, maybe Kaepernick's just being a, a drama queen or, you know, he wants the attention. And then you get another detail and it's like, well, nope. Everything that comes out pokes a hole in that theory. It's literally the league does not want this guy back. They're, they got called out so badly by him and they've looked bad through this whole thing from beginning to end and they just don't want him in the league they don't want that attention you know they're gonna have to talk about that pregame yep the NFL doesn't want that Jim Nance up there going about how Colin Kaepernick social justice and he was blackballed yeah he won a court case they've got all that you know they've got their guys in the booths uh, for the most part, and I think it's why you see a lot of those. Well, over the last few years, you've seen a lot of changes, like the Monday Night Booth and stuff like that. You know, these are NFL guys that are announcing the game so that they don't bring up stuff like that, because like the NFL doesn't want people talking about you know the things that make them look bad. So, anyways, let's get to some JPP talk, huh? Some joint practices teams. That could be the Packers on a bye week, right? Nope. You can't have your cake, eat it, and talk about the Packers. <laughs> hey, Wedgie. Let's talk about the Vikings and the <laughs> the Donks at the Sota. This was ugly first to start. Initially, I didn't even... I hadn't seen... A single moment of uh, the first half of this game, so I had to go back and watch it. But I'm glad I didn't have to sit through it the first time, because Jesus, Oof. that was bad. Um, Woof. First half, five punts and two fumbles on your seven possessions. 
Uh, they had a total of 37 yards in the first half. Um, and they gave up 20 points to uh, to Denver. I know you know a couple of those fumbles, they're giving them short fields. Um, but, you know, they only come away with three points off those those two turnovers. So just, I mean, this secondary is still so scary because you're giving up, you know, easy pitch and catch plays to um, well, Cortland Sutton for one. Just, you know, rip them apart. And I said, he's a bad man. We need to, you know, he might be one of the guys we have to worry about. Um, but, yeah, that was ugly from the, from that defense. Absolutely terrible. Um, I was very unimpressed. Uh, second half, still, you know, more of the same, like allowing them uh, pick up third downs late in the game. They were the Broncos were four for four on fourth down, like, and they had them in some like fourth and eight, fourth and sevens, you know. Even then, there were a couple of like third and twelves that they allowed them to convert when they have an opportunity to seal the game because the Vikings, somebody in that uh, locker room stepped up and said, what the fuck are we doing? Like, we're better than the team that we're playing right now, and we're down 20 points. On And then in the second half, the offense comes out. They have four possessions, four touchdowns. Um, that was absolutely crazy. They're the first team in the last 40 years to score a touchdown on every possession in the second half. They're also the first team in 100 tries uh, to be down 20 points or more uh, at the half and come back and win. So there's a silver lining there. I did it. I liked, you know, a lot of what Stefanski was calling for plays. They were, you know, urgent. They knew they needed to move the ball, try to score, you know, quick at times. Those last two touchdowns. A three-play drive for 62 yards. The last touchdown, five-play, 67 yards. It was just, I mean, they they were able to <laughs> move the ball with ease. It made you wonder, like, what were they trying to do in the first half that, you know, they just weren't finding that success? Because I, I think Denver did a pretty good job early on, you know, shutting down Dalvin Cook. I may say early on, but they were so pass-heavy trying to catch up in the second half that, he didn't really see the ball much, but eleven carries, twenty-six yards. You see that stat line, you're like, we we win, we win, we beat Dalvin Cook. The, the only other team in the league that's done that so far has been Chicago. So, but true, and it's kind of crazy. Like Steven texts me because I was cooking, and he's like, "Dude, you see this Viking score?" I like click on Bleacher Report, and it was twenty to nothing, and I went, "What the." F- and then I heard this one stat line, and I said, Steve literally brought that up on the podcast. And that was the stat about uh, Cousins rolling to his left. Yep. Like, he has a ridiculous amount of success. First half, he had one rollout to his left. Yeah, that's, uh, again, maybe the play calling was, was the issue there when they... uh actually tried to throw the ball in that first half. Yep. Well, I did hear, too, that, like, Stephon Diggs had to be restrained by Adam Thielen at one point because he was screaming at the coordinators and at Cousins 
Like he was open all the time downfield and he was just like Cousins was just missing either missing him in the progressions, like not noticing. You know, I don't I can't even really blame the offensive line too much because the offensive line only gave up five pressures the whole game. Yeah. Now, all five resulted in a sack, but other than that, you know, take out those five plays and, you know, he was relatively clean in the pocket. Yeah, I think they did a really good job. Uh, They kind of went to that, like, zone blocking scheme in the second half. It looked like that was uh, made the big difference for them as far as giving Cousins some time to throw the ball down the field. And you mentioned Diggs being upset. Well, after Cousins hit him with that fucking beautiful throw downfield for that 54-yard touchdown, that uh, should have quieted him down a little bit. That was a hell of a throw. He put the team on his back the second half. He was like, throw me the ball. Well, Cousins, yeah, Cousins was was dynamite too, though. Um, It seems like week in and week out, his stat line just looks extremely similar. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yep. Less less than 10 incompletions and, you know, high 200s, low 300s, three touchdowns. Like, why not put him in the conversation for MVP? Oh, come on. Hey, I know Dalvin Cook is having himself a a good season, but honestly, how many years do we watch the Vikings with Adrian Peterson and a guy playing quarterback who can't throw the ball? Brad Johnson. Like, that's a... I mean, it is a it's it's a big part. If if they, people want to talk about you know putting Dak in there, just because his yardage stats are are better, like you can't. <laughs> he's he's on a six and four team that lost to the Vikings, so I would say if you're gonna put him, you know, a quarter five quarterbacks in the top of the uh, MVP race right now, I don't see why he shouldn't be up there with him. I don't know. I think it's Lamar Jackson and nobody else at this point. But we'll see. We will see. Overall, I think uh, a positive you can take out of this is, you know, this is a Vikings team that seems to be on a path to at least a wild card berth, so some sort of playoff appearance. They just showed that they can get down some points and, you know, they can still keep themselves in the game. So that's, you know, a silver lining, I guess, for Vikings fans is, you know, now you've seen them do it against a top five defense. So, you know, if it sucked for you, if it did, but if they get down 10 points or plus in a playoff game, you now have something to fall back on that, you know, we've done it before. We know they can do it. So, you you know, kind of gives you that hope if needed. Yeah, I mean. Silver lining playbook. Yeah, it's a. It's that you don't have to have or you don't have to use the running game as a crutch in order to get, you know, those throws downfield available. And, I mean, that Rudolph touchdown was definitely affected by their ability to run the ball because that play action, Cousins rolls left, and they literally ran three receivers off into the right-hand corner of the end zone, and Kyle Rudolph was standing all by himself on the left-hand side of the field, so... Um, you know, but yeah, great to see them be able to, you know, just string together some of these, uh, quick strikes and uh, long drives where you actually end up scoring touchdowns. 
still was really confusing to me why they went for two on on that second one. But I, I guess it, it does put you down eight, but I don't know. Strange, strange coaching for me. But, hey, a win's a win. And I said uh, last week what Denver gives up, like, 16, 18 points, something like that a week. So hang 27 on a defense like that. You know, In one half. Got to feel good. Yeah, got to feel good about yourself. Um, season is no longer a disaster. I thought it was. <laughs> the first half, I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Although the Vikings did not cover, which we'll get to next episode, but yeah, but I think good to get a win. Took the Vikings the to win week. and the Broncos to cover. Oh yes, the Week Twelve bye time. Groovalicious. Who do you got out of the bye? Seattle Monday night. Ooh, a long bye. Extra vacation day right there. He put a floater on the end. Yeah, not bad. Thanks, NFL. I guess we're going to have to talk about that other football game that we talk about. Oh, boy. All right, let's go. The Eagles fall to the Patriots 17-10. to This game wasn't as ugly as we thought it would be points-wise. I thought the Patriots had the possibility to come in there and just hang them. Hang them high on that defense. But each team only scored one touchdown. However, the Eagles' offense, it struggled as we expected it to, but not in the ways we expected it to, I guess. We talked about this game coming in where Bill Belichick, who likes to take away where your team does best, and we all thought that would be Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz had eight targets, eight catches, 73, 74 yards, whatever it was. Zach Ertz was there for Carson today. But what Bill did was he actually said, these receivers suck. We know it. They have a really good running game. We're going to shut them down in the running game, which I don't think the Eagles saw coming. I think they expected a lot of attention on Ertz, and it didn't come. And then we had Jordan Howard, who didn't play. They signed Jay Ajayi, who didn't play either. It was just Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders even left the game hurt for a little while. But they started off defense uh, decently. They had a nice drive to start the game. They got all the way down in the red zone, and then a costly Jason Peters with a false start penalty backed them up, just threw off the rhythm. They settled for a field goal. They eventually led another drive for a touchdown, which can we talk about that touchdown catch by Dallas Goddard and how he caught it? Knee down, knee down, rolling around, and then the defender ends up with the ball. And somehow all those officials standing there saw that as an interception. Yeah, I didn't understand that. But I think it's just one of those when you see, you know, something like that, you don't know if the ball's moving around in there. And so it's a safe play just to, you know, let the play play out. And then you can go back and overturn it uh, if you need to because I mean it's just like one of those is it a fumble is it an incomplete pass sort of thing it's like I guess better to you know err on the side of caution I mean it came back it was yeah 
it was overturned in review, but I would I'm just wondering how they came up with that because even if it was intercepted or caught or whatever, both guys are grabbing at the ball and they were both knees on the ground. So technically, you know, the they're down by contact, right? Whoever has it. In the that instance, both guys are down and it they would consider it a tie. Whatever I forget how it's worded, but like tie goes to the offense. The offensive receiver has the advantage there. Just the fact that they called nothing visually made sense to me why they would come up with interception on that. The I mean, if you're watching the play as it happened, I did. I didn't understand. It. I didn't understand it live. I didn't understand it in the replay how they came to that conclusion. But, anyways, that was the Eagles' only touchdown, and this is where the game kind of went downhill because Lane Johnson suffers a concussion out for the game, and after that, Halabulavati Vitai came in and just got abused. Pressure after pressure, he was getting run over in the run game. It was pretty bad. And then on the other side, Jason Peters went down for some time again. He cost them that opening drive, you know, potential touchdown. They settled for a field goal with a bad false start penalty. The next drive, he followed it up with another penalty that again almost killed the drive. It negated it. J.J. Arcega, white side sighting. He doesn't look right. You, you got to wonder if he's really done at this point. He just had his knee scoped again. He had an ACL 2017. He's always hurt. You just have to wonder if the Hall of Famer is, you know, at the end. Like, he can't make it through a whole game anymore. We've talked about that before. But at what point do you wonder if he's just hurting the team? Because, I mean, he's a roster spot. He's affecting depth. He's affect. you know, you start him... Assuming he's going to play a whole game. Right. And then if he goes down, you put Dillard in, and then you got no more depth because you had to, in, you know, the back, the next guy in the depth chart is inactive. So that'll be it. I know it's tough with like guys of his stature on the team, but at some point you got to do what's best for the team. Yeah. And their opponent, uh, the Patriots, under Belichick, had, you know, they've been probably the best team in the league at. You know, letting those, those, you know, veterans that have done so much for the team and been so good, and they move on from them at like precisely the right time because they end up going elsewhere and, you know, their career just slowly fizzles out. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting decision on what they do with him. But I, I do think it is, it's about time for, for Philly to think about moving on. Just drafted a guy that you hope can replace him, um, but those are big shoes to fill. But like you said, if you don't have anybody else back there uh, to back up the backup, well, you could be in for some rough times. And you start plug and play linemen. I've seen that many yep. times. When you have a guy that you know takes left tackle reps all week, and then something happens, and now he's at right tackle. And then you got the next guy on the depth chart who has to go in when the left tackle goes down. It's just a, that doesn't help Carson any. <laughs> That's for sure. Speaking of uh, linemen, I wanted to ask since you're talking about the offense, how about that 
play where Jason Kelsey goes in motion and lines up in the slot. <laughs> and then like, he calls for the ball. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, like when I saw that happening, I was like, all right, Doug, you're kind of taking it to a new level here. I have never seen that before. <laughs> and I was uh, quite surprised, too, because they were lined up correctly and didn't get an illegal formation, so that was awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean... You, you got to be absolutely insane to be able to draw something like that up in your head. But, yeah, the, to actually pull it off, you know, pull off the play, execute it. Um, I think it was like a five-yard pass to Miles Sanders or something. Yeah, Ended up being that play. But, was. Yep. But yeah, they, that, was, that was bizarre and really fun to watch at the same time. So. Yep. And Miles Sanders caught that pass. But do you know who can't catch passes? The Eagles wide receiver core, <laughs> nor can they get open. It's crazy. It's like Carson has to throw in these insanely tight windows the whole game because these guys can't get open. And when he does make an absolute dime throw, these guys fucking drop it. It's amazing that professional wide receivers in the National Football League have such a problem with drops. Like It can't be... I mean. Carson throwing it too hard is the way he throw it. It spins a different way than you're used to. What the hell? This is insane. Could be high spin rate. Yeah, that could be it. But the absence of Jordan Howard was very evident in this game. I mean, I would go ahead and extend him right now. Give him what he what he wants. Don't let him test free agency. Because the the duo of him and Sanders is awesome, first of all. And second, when if he's not there and we get what we got this week, which was Miles Sanders, who, you know, props to him, he looked good, you know, in limited, you know, action. They got away from the run towards the middle end of that game, so he didn't get two, two I think he had 13 total touches, 13 carries, 15 touches, whatever it was. But Boston Scott was the backup. Point I'm getting to is Boston Scott struggled to hit the holes, there was one play I can think of in particular where me and Steven were watching this game together and they do the behind the quarterback view and he literally just like starts to run at the hole. I think it was between the guard and the center and then just inexplicably bounces it outside directly into a defender. He just hits the hole and he's got a good 10, 15 yard gain ahead of him. So I know he's a younger guy and they're still learning every day. But when you have Jordan Howard in the game, that doesn't happen. He's a, I'm going to hit the hole as hard as I can, and if I get through the other side, I'm going to keep running. If not, I'm going to run somebody over. He's he's just shown his importance. And I never thought like our offense really needed like a bell cow or a, you know, a go-to guy. Ten weeks into the season, Jordan Howard's a big part of this offense and is without a speed threat, you know, he's the one of the most important guys. Him, Miles Sanders, and the two tight ends. Everybody else, waffle iron crunch. Yeah, we brought it up last week. You said that uh Jordan Howard had more rushing yards through, you know, the first ten weeks than the leading rusher for the Eagles did the previous season. So Yeah. I heard this one today. Michael Thomas of the Saints has, I think, 94 receptions. That's more than two teams 
receivers combined. The Eagles and the Ravens. He has more catches than both of those teams combined. That's insane. I mean, I'd believe the Ravens one just because of, you know, their offense, how but. their offense operates. But yeah, with the Eagles and as much as they throw the ball, that's such an insane stat. I mean, at the end of this game, throughout the game, Carson did miss on some throws. But I have a huge problem with people killing him on Twitter. And I literally blocked somebody. And this person had a blue check mark, a verified account. I don't know what they do, if they're a sports analyst, whatever. But the tweet was basically, see, I told you we shouldn't have got rid of Foles. We should have traded Wentz. This is what you get. First of all, this wide receiver group literally gives him no help. I don't know what more he can do. Second of all, Nick Foles looked like hot garbage <laughs> this week. I don't know if you watched that game. I did. I saw, I saw that. And I mean, he did not look good in his return from injury. So, yeah, say so bad in his return lady, and haven't played. What are you talking about? Like, what was it the second quarter of week one that he got hurt in? I think he played one drive. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Something either ridiculous. Way, you either get, you know, 10 games of Carson Wentz or you get, you know, five quarters, if you want to call it that, of Nick Foles. So that's a stupid take. Other stupid take is, yeah, why don't we keep the uh, keep the older guy? It usually typically doesn't work the out for you. The guy who's fought off retirement twice, yeah. wanting to retire twice. Just... Anyways, I'm not going to do this right now. <laughs> I got a big problem right now, and his name is Nelson Aguilar. I'm tired of the excuses. I was one of those people who used to defend Aguilar all the time. After 2017, he did a marvelous job in that Super Bowl. He was very pivotal. In the 2017 season, when he had a defined role, which was a slot receiver, we had Torrey Smith, I almost said Torrey Wilson, <laughs> we have Torrey Smith and Alshon on the outsides. We had um, Trey Burton, Zach Ertz at tight end. We had the weapons. He wasn't. He didn't have the attention. Didn't have to be the focal point. He produced in the slot when he had to. And this season, just like in 2016, when they're relying on him to be a leader, a number one, a number one esque receiver. Alshon Jeffrey didn't play in this game with an ankle injury, so it was just Jordan Matthews, Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Osega-Whiteside, and Matt Collins. Aguilar is... The coaches treat him like someone who needs to step up, that can step up, that can lead this team. But as you saw on the that long fourth down play, Nelson Aguilar can't track a football. He can't track the deep ball. He's not good at it. This is like the third or fourth one this season where Carson puts it up there and he just can't run under it. He can't align correctly under the ball, put himself in position. People are either on one side or the other with this play that, oh, he should have made that catch or, oh, that was an impossible catch. Look at his body. But if you look at the route he ran, it makes no sense where he should have been to track the football. And then... You know, he could have cradled that ball in, but for some reason he does this exorcist 
contortion of his body to try to bring it in and almost breaks it back in half, landing on his knees. He had a play on the ball. The ball hit him in the hands. He should have come down with it, whether it was inbounds or not. Catch the football. If you catch the football and you get determined out of bounds, the Eagles fans, coaches, the media, they're going to give you a break because you hauled in the friggin' ball for once. Like, how many game-winning or tying throws is he going to miss this year? Uh, catches is he going to miss this year? It all circles back. Carson has nothing. He's throwing to cobwebs and underwear models. This is gross. I don't like it. I really expected my man, J-Matt, J-Matt, J-Matt to step up. But they couldn't get the ball to him. I think he had one catch for like yeah. six yards, and it was on a third and ten. I uh, remember that play specifically because I was like, why do you throw that ball there? It's like a quick slant. Yeah, like, I, I heard on a film review show that the with the look the Patriots gave, they were expecting blitz, so they wanted to get the ball out quick and try to beat the safety, but the safety dropped. Safe. They went, yeah. Well, they, they got, got a safety over <laughs> the top. Simple. They had a safety over the top, like 12 yards deep, and then they had a guy playing, you know, press coverage. A quick, quick slant to him. <laughs> where he catches the ball like three yards off the line of scrimmage. I was like, I mean... You can shift your protection, you know, bring in an extra guy to block, do something. Like, I feel like trying to run 10, 12-yard routes makes way more sense with two or three guys than it does sending a guy with a quick slant there. But, yeah, they target him six times. He comes up with one ball. Kind of the story uh, for their offense throughout this game. Uh, Both offenses, really. Uh, They both had 18... uh, targets that didn't end up being receptions in this game so but you talked about last week how everybody was saying oh you know Patriots are just gonna take away Ertz and that'll be it well Ertz had a really good day (laughs) if they were trying to take him away Um, and I mean if you add the couple Carson missed to him at the end he probably would have hit a a hundred yards receiving oh yeah easy as I say he probably would have had a nine for nine he had nine catches on the nine targets uh before that that last possession. So, I mean, he did work. He's been the only consistent uh, guy in the receiving game so far this year for him, and it's a shame because the way I saw it, you know, at the beginning of the year, and I know the Deshaun injury kind of throws a wrench in everything, but it looked like they had a ton of, you know, potential playmakers out there, and it's just nobody wants to step up and continuously make plays for these guys. I did like that one uh, play they had to Arthago Whiteside. Ooh. Like, it was a 29-yard catch, and I feel like maybe they should start going to this. You know, if they don't want to run the speed game with the receivers, then use your height advantage because they got a lot of really big guys, and it's why, you know, Ertz and Goddard and those guys are able to have success over the middle of the field is, you know, make him go up and get it. You know, make him out jump those those small DBs. Um, well, that's why they drafted him. He's supposed to be yeah. a contested catch specialist. So yeah, why not try it? Like back corner, you know, back shoulder fades to the sideline and stuff. You know, these out routes that are 15 yards or something. It's like it makes all the sense in the world, and I don't understand why they don't go to it more. 
I mean, with that one catch for 29 yards, he has now outgained Matt Collins in like the last six games. <laughs> Matt Collins had a target today, no reception. Before I get too angry at the offense again, I'm going to move on to kind of a high point for the Eagles, and that was the defense, because the defense actually did okay. Aside from the initial tackler missing the ball carrier on too many plays, they gave up 17 points to a Tom Brady-led Patriots team. That was surprising. By far... The most surprising thing was they there was no big plays. There was no 40, 50, 60-yard bombs over the top. Defense held up. And maybe that does have to do with Tom Brady's arm, his age at this point. Just the personnel, really. But they're kind of in a situation like the Eagles are where they don't have all the talent in the world at wide receiver. So we, we saw this game kind of coming down to the Eagles offense against the Patriots defense. And it, it did because the Eagles defense stepped up and they only had one sack on Brady, but they completely disguised that blitz so well and fooled Tom Brady, which teams don't do very often. So that was pretty, pretty cool to, you know, to see this team that Brady put like what, 500 yards of offense on in the Super Bowl yeah. to just, Come in here, and in the first half, Brady had 14 incompletions. He ended with 21 total incompletions. The coverage was great. I do want to bring up Julian Edelman, though, because that little weasel bitch is a dirty <laughs> motherfucker. Did you see him try to break uh, Avante Maddox in half? No. Uh, it was uh, like a post or a seam route. Brady got some air under it. And Avante Maddox was going to run under it because it was overthrown. And he, when he reached up to pick off the pass, Edelman grabs him around the neck from behind and just, like, falls backwards and, like, bends him in half. And then when they're on the ground, he's, like, twisting him. No penalty. But everybody was like, what the fuck? Like, how do you not call a penalty on that? That was dirty as shit. But anyways, other than that, he was pretty much... I mean, Tom Brady didn't even throw the touchdown pass. Edelman did on a trick play, which yeah, we think, had to hear about him playing at Kent State quarterback, blah, 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 blah. He's probably the second-best quarterback in the AFC East. <laughs> probably has the best passer rating in the NFC, uh, AFC East. Yeah. When you talk about the defense, um, the thing for me that was really surprising, and I know you know, I, I talked... Uh, in the last episode about how, you know, the, this Patriots offense has kind of been struggling because they just don't have that personnel that they're used to having. Um, but the Eagles didn't allow the Patriots to even get into Eagles territory until like halfway through the second quarter. So tells you something right I there. Mean, like they, you know, they held them to three straight field goals inside which, the red zone, which is awesome. They're lucky then, that, that Nick Folk could hit those right they've they've been having a lot of struggles uh, as far as their kickers are concerned so I mean if he has a bad day this is <laughs> this could have been like a 10 to 3 game I tell you what they if on that trick play if 
you know, Darby hadn't just let that man go. If he just had made a play, it was the third and 14. If they would have held them to another field goal, it would have only been, what, 13-10. And they would have only been down by three. They had the ball at the end of the game at the New England's 26. They tie it up right there. Who knows what happens after that? Damn trick play. But whatever. We we have to accept the fact at this point that the Eagles have a steep uphill climb if they want any chance at a playoff run. I mean, could they do it? Sure. But they're going to need <laughs> to bring in a speed receiver. They're going to need to get Lane Johnson healthy. And they're going to need... A prayer, like they're gonna have to sign a lost love, long lost relative of Vince Papale, and hope we can get some invincible <laughs> magic in here. <laughs> it's crazy. Like they're not gonna get a wild card at this point. Seattle's rolling. The Vikings are rolling. Seattle's actually coming into the link this week, which we'll probably talk about on another episode. But they're not gonna win a wild card, so their only hope is to win the division. They're gonna have to either win out or if they lose to Seattle, they're going to have to win out and get some help. So the division is the, the, the goal right now. That's what they need to focus on. Win one game at a time, win the division and just get in. They get in. We've seen crazy things happen. So we just have to trust them. You get hot at the right time. That's all that matters. Yep. If you get in, you can get hot. We've seen the six seed Giants do it twice. So, you know, five and five, you can't. You don't feel great about being five hundred at this point. But even the Lions at three six and one are technically still in the playoff hunt. So, could be worse. Yep. We just bow our heads and pray. In Howie, in Doug, and in Carson Wentz, Amen. Hope the three of them can, you know, find somebody on the free agent market on the waiver wire. Doug can put in some sort of creative place to get these guys who can't get open open. And Carson Wentz just needs to do what he does best and make the best of a shitty situation. Pockets breaking down. He's going to roll out, make a play. Just hold on to the football, bud, please. I'm not ready to give up on this year yet. A bad loss to Seattle, I might be, but I'm not at this point. Yep, we're gonna have to beat some uh, some of those playoff contenders, and then hope you get by against the uh, the lower competition that you face the rest of the way. I think it's time. It's all time, baby. Studs and duds, studs and duds, it's all time for studs and duds. Duds and duds, week 11, we here. No Steven, so he does not get to pick. He is both a stud and a dud. A milk dud. My first stud. This is going to be a theme with my studs. Running back for the Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Williams, 13 rushes, 116 yards. 
have yourself a day against Jacksonville. I'm going to do my other stud at the same time because it just so happens to be his teammate, Marlon Mack. 14 rushes, 109 yards, and a tutty. Two separate running backs went for over 100 yards. That's pretty baller status. Yeah, what a difference a week makes because they had a terrible, terrible week uh, without Jacoby Brissett in there. And then they just made a mockery of Nick Foles and the Jaguars this week. And I um, heard on Saturday that um, Brissett wasn't even going to play. It was going to be Hoyer again. So I changed my pick from the Colts to the Jags. <laughs> Only game I got wrong this week. That sucks. Um, yeah, my first stud, Mr. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, who for some reason in the last few weeks have decided to actually play football again. Um goes out eight receptions 143 yards and a touchdown probably easy to get open on that team when uh julio jones is on the other side of the field but hey great performance caught the only touchdown matt ryan threw this week and uh and they still blew him up since it's steven's birthday we'll do a nice little theme here where i go homer pick for studs um kurt cousins 29 of 35 319 yards and three touchdowns. Really put the team on his back and played amazing in the second half of that game to, you know, squeak by the old donks and uh, avoid disaster. Because, I mean, you kind of lose or get a little deflated going into the the bye week. And then after the bye week, you're playing against the other uh, wild card team currently at their place. Could have meant bad things for them moving forward so thankfully they got out of there with a victory thanks in large part to Mr. Kirky Cousins Dirty Coops alright for the duds then my first dud is the Carolina Panthers and it starts at management because the second you put Cam Newton on IR and announce he's out for the year Kyle Allen has no fear he's going to lose that job for the rest of the year and turns back into a pumpkin folks he has looked awful the last two weeks. I think he had another four picks. I believe you're right. Just wasting Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> well, he only threw four picks, but Christian McCaffrey had 191 yards from scrimmage. So yeah, I, <laughs> still there. He did his thing as usual, but he's getting no help from his offense or his defense. Carolina, you are a dud. Uh, I went with the uh, Texans. You know, you're supposed to be one of those top three teams in the AFC right now. And you're playing against the Ravens who, you know, everybody seems to want to jump on the bandwagon. They're going to win the Super Bowl this year. You got an opportunity to step up and, uh, you know, show that you're going to contend for the AFC championship this year. And then you go out and lose 41-7 to to those Baltimore Ravens. And just look like a terrible friggin' team. Oh, absolutely awful game from them. They couldn't, they literally couldn't do anything right. I'm going to piggyback off you because Bill O'Brien is one of my duds. Because not only can he not evaluate talent, but he cannot motivate 
his players. This is a game you get your team up for. Like, this is your chance to like pull it out and slap it on the counter and just make a statement. Yeah, you but got an opportunity here to contend for that number one overall spot because you still have to play the Patriots coming up. It's all-time turd burger, like not showing up, not having your team prepared, and that falls directly on the coach. Dead! Billy O. Beep. Pretty standard operating procedure here that the Dolphins make the dud list. Uh, this week, for me, it was because of their run game. Uh, Kalen Ballage. 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 <laughs> yep. Um, well, he was the leading rusher for the Dolphins. Um, nine carries, nine yards, and a touchdown. <laughs> really? He's hammering at home. <laughs> Other than Ballage, they had 14 yards rushing on the team. All three guys had a long run of seven. And then those other two guys that carried the ball carried it only once, and it was for seven yards. So 13 carries, 23 yards. Miami still isn't very good, even though they've now won two games somehow. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. There's always an extra year, right? Yeah. Always can't go. Always can't go. All right, everybody. If you're listening, we want you to. Well, thank you for still listening past 53 minutes hit us up on twitter at joint practices that's our twitter account at joint practices we're also on instagram now joint practices dot podcast if you want to see a picture of the back of my head watching the eagles lose steven posted one (laughs) go ahead and like that or you can follow us individually on twitter i'm at 11 the goat steven at steven jpp and super salad steve knox at the knox says Hit us up. Let us know you're listening. Talk to us. We'll get you on our show. Oh, seven on before, sevens. I mean, yeah. I thought by before week 12, we'd actually get somebody to join in. But yeah, I'd love we to actually, see, love um, sorry to interrupt you. But before we go, we actually had a question submitted to the show tonight. It Ooh. was by. Ooh, hold on a second. Here it is. By friend of the pod. Drew Breyers, CC the Dairy Department, wants to know, at this point in the year, who will be in the Super Bowl? He wants to know our Super Bowl picks based on everything we know up to right now. Soup, you want to go first? Um, I would say my same pick I said before the season started. New England, New Orleans. New England, New Orleans, new time of year. I actually like, I know, I know, the Nolan Saints and the Baltimore Ravens. I think that would be a fun game. And I'd like to see all the people freak out because a mobile quarterback is in the Super Bowl. Oh no, what do we do? Yeah, that would be interesting. But it'd be even more interesting if Drew Brees went down. If Teddy versus mm-hmm. Lamar. There's a storyline for you right there. Yep. Slim history of uh, African-American quarterbacks and playing in the Super Bowl. So 
see him paired up again, that would uh, that'd be fun. Well, a hell of an athlete on both yeah. sides. We have a uh, a call coming in, and uh, Steven's gonna call in and give his Super Bowl <laughs> pick. Oh, hey guys, hey hey, sorry for being late. I was having cake, and uh, anyways, I think the Eagles are gonna go on a run, and it's gonna be the Eagles and the Colts. Fly, go fly, go back, go. It's my birthday. Well, Steven, thank you for calling in. We appreciate that, bud. Enjoy your birthday. That's all I got. That's that's some insight right there. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're listening, you know you can go ahead, check us out: Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. It looks like Blueberry with a letter missing. I'm not up to date with a lot of these listening platforms these days, but plenty of uh. Plenty of places to find the Joint Practices podcast, so go on there, subscribe to one of those, leave a nice little rating, five stars preferred, thanks. And if you do use Twitter, you can uh, tweet us with the hashtag Eagles Wide Receiver Tryouts. Um, that lets us know you're listening this week. Heard they're having open tryouts, so like, like uh, Sean had said, maybe. Vince Papale Jr. or the third is available somewhere. They can sure use it. Yeah, use that hashtag. We'd like to hear from anybody. Uh, Let us know what you thought. Something you might want to hear moving forward. Always up up for uh, discussion here. It's for fans by fans, you know? So that's you guys too. That's right. You gotta do something. Somebody. Anybody, you listening? Hey, you right there. Pick up your phone. Tweet at joint practices. Hashtag Eagles wide receiver tryouts. And then write this message. Put me in coach. Put me in coach. That's <laughs> you, Justin Francis. All right, guys. Fly, goes fly. Yeah, bye week. Skull Vikings. Go, Pat, go. Yeah. You pounding giblets over there or what? What? You pounding giblets? What do you mean? Sounded like you had a little sneak. Nope. Might have been my chair. <laughs>